Welcome to We'll Always Have Paris, a podcast that dissects and discusses culture's best and worst love stories set in the city we call home. I'm Rachel Kapelke-Dale, author of several novels, including The Ingenue and The Ballerinas. And I'm Nafkote Tamarat, author of The Parking Lot Attendant. And I'm Chris Newens. I'm a journalist and nonfiction writer. After more than 20 episodes, it's time to wrap up season one of We'll Always Have Paris. For this final episode of the season, we wanted to return to the idea that started it all, the love story from Casablanca. Now, we've learned a lot since this first episode, not only about Paris and love, but also about things like microphones and multi-track recording. With that said, we apologize for the sound quality, but we hope you'll stick around and stay tuned as we return to the original text that began this podcast. So here it is, the very first episode of We'll Always Have Paris to wrap up our very first season. Thanks for listening, have great summers, and we'll see you in the fall. And now it's time for the love story. So Chris, take it away. Um, yeah, so we're going to be talking about uh, Casablanca, uh, the film, obviously, rather than the place. I could ask uh, Rachel and Naf what your relationship with the film Casablanca is before I start talking about it any further. I think this is a movie where the reputation really precedes it. Like, it's one of those, you know, it's, it's on all the lists, the greatest films of all time, you know, this and that. And um, it wasn't something I'd seen probably until my teens. And uh, at the time, I think the catchy lines really got me, you know, that really, really like pulled me into it. And it was only later that I started like questioning what was beyond that. Um, so yeah, I've had a really vacillating relationship in terms of how much I like the movie over the years. Huh. Um, and then I saw it when it must have been 13, 14. Um, um, it was Valentine's Day. And on Valentine's Day, the Brattle Theater in Cambridge, Massachusetts, was doing a special showing of Casablanca. And I remember my friend Margaret was going to go, and I had heard of the movie, which just shows how famous it was, because I had heard of nothing. Like, I didn't know any references, and even I knew this was a big deal movie, and I wanted to see it so badly. So I told my mom I had math group, math tutoring, and we went, and it was... I mean, I, I actually remember very little of the movie from that showing. I just remember being enchanted. I had never seen a black and white movie before. I had never seen a movie from this era before. I had no idea who these people were. Like, I remember the end, someone saying, like, Humphrey Bogart was great. And I was like, hmm, who? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just remember being so swept away by it. Um, and it's only, like, afterwards, when watching it again, that, yeah, that I was able to actually think about, oh, what is this movie really telling us, I guess, and like, what does it feel? The scene that I remember from that first showing, and that always gets me, though, is the scene with the Marseillaise. Oh, um, yeah. It's the, it's, that's the scene that I remember from the first time I watched it, and even watching it this today for the, for this, like, it, it got to that scene, and I was crying, and I was like, you must be kidding, you knew it was coming, this is propaganda, nationalism, and I was like... <laughs> I also cried. I just love it, I <laughs> fucking love it. I, I cry every time. Every time. It really gets me. Before I first watched it, I heard so many of the lines from it it was mm -hmm. like i kind of 
I already probably knew about an eighth of the movie. And then when you're actually watching it, it's like sort of seeing the rest of the jigsaw kind of like put into place. So with that in mind, um, let's talk a little bit about how this movie came to be, mm -hmm. because this is really important to the love story. So the making of this movie is absolute chaos. <laughs> so there's an, originally a play called Everybody Comes to Rick's. And this is by uh, Murray Burnett and Joan Allison. And the play is unproduced. It's purchased on December 8th, 1941, which is the day after Pearl Harbor uh, had been attacked. Mm -hmm. And the Warner Brothers studio analyst reads the script and he says it's sophisticated hokum, mm -hmm. which in Hollywood terms means this is amazing, we have to buy it. <laughs> They put a lot of writers on this. So they start out with Amos McKenzie and Wally Klein. After six weeks, Warner Brothers brings in Julius and Philip Epstein, and they start casting. And the original casting choice for Rick is Ronald Reagan, which wow. would have been a very different movie. They hire Hungarian emigrate Michael Curtiz to direct, who's fairly well known. He's not a huge name. And everybody fucking hates each other. Uh, all the really? actors hate each other. The actors hate the director. The director hates the actors. They don't even have a finished script when they start filming. And so they <laughs> don't know how the film ends. And they don't know who Ingrid Bergman is going to end up with. And so Bergman has no idea how to act this character. So she asks Curtiz, who am I actually in love with? Because when you watch the film, it's really, really unclear because yeah. she goes to Rick she's pulling a gun on Rick mm -hmm. and then he's like you know well you could have one letter and then she's like oh I'm in love with you you decide you know right and it, mm. it's a strange thing and so the, she asks Curtis and he says play it in between <laughs> so you know you great great directing though and yeah. honestly kudos to her because she really does that and to the point where I was like what does she really want they and they still don't have a finished script yeah so they bring in this writer called Howard Koch he's like the film needs an ending, and we don't know what happened romantically between Rick and Ilsa. So he writes the whole flashback with Rick and Ilsa, and he creates the backstory of Rick's character as like this underdog who, you know, was running run against Ethiopia and who was fighting for the loyalist cause in Spain, mm -hmm. you know, who wants to help kind of the side of right. Okay, so the release date for the film had initially been announced as June 1943. But in November 1942, the Allies landed in Casablanca. And okay. you can literally see the uh, Warner Brothers executives doing, like, the finger-tapping Inspector Gadget. We're going to make money off of this. You know, it, it has its premiere in New York in 1942, November, mm -hmm. only two weeks after uh, the French had turned over Casablanca to the Allies. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the next stroke of luck came when Roosevelt, Churchill, and Stalin announced that they were going to have a peace conference in Casablanca in January 1943. And so they were like, yep, nope, it's not June anymore, now we're doing January. So they launched the film in January of 1943, and that's how Casablanca got its launch into the world. Okay, so what about this? Is this a great movie? absolutely yeah it it is a great movie there's no question about it but i think i think this time around watching it there was it's not that i saw things that were bad or nothing like that but i just there are so many things i'd assumed about it from the last time i'd watched it 
One of them being, I don't remember, I didn't remember how quick the ending comes, you know? Like, there's a point where it seems like everything's insurmountable, mm-hmm. and then things happen quite quickly, right? Like, Rick deciding a plan, we, we don't really know what the plan's going to be, because I think Rick is also kind of changing his mind as it goes. And also at the and I think in my mind too, I really remembered it being Ingrid Bergman is obviously in love with Rick. Yes, I had that same thing. But this time around, watching it, it's a lot more complicated. And especially because when she comes to beg for the paper, like, you know, I know what happened between us, but you know my husband's in danger. And she's like, I'll do anything, right? Like, there's a lot, there, there's a lot in this movie too about like women being like, should I have sex mm. with this other person or to get my husband out? There's yeah. a lot of like the vulnerability of women and what women have to negotiate with, which is basically their bodies. Yeah, but I would argue that that's a kind of like a theme that they're doing, but I think it's more put in us, like, because obviously Rick kind of saves, saves, like, the the woman who's going to do that with um, Claude Rains' character. Yes. And so I think that has been put in as a kind of a counterpoint to the idea that he wouldn't allow something like that. Oh no, definitely. Oh no, definitely. I don't mean that Rick is like is being quoted to us as a predator, but that Hmm. in the world that they're in, this is a danger. And then when she and it's true that when she when she tells him like you know I've always loved you, it felt so fast that actually watching this time around, I was like, is this a ruse? Or does she really love him? And it's funny because up until now, when I've watched the movie, I've never questioned that she loves him, which is what makes the ending so heartrending for me because it feels like yes, of course Rick is doing the right thing, blah blah blah, and it's really noble of him. But I've always thought. She loves him so much. She loves her so much. Oh my God, these two lovers torn asunder. And then this time around, I was like, you know what? I don't know. No, no, she's about to get, she's she's going to get on the plane with him to America. She's going to go along with his plan. Yeah, it's all. I think. I think that's I was, what the movie wants you to think. I'm no, not sure it's not what the movie wants you to think. They bend over backwards. The 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 bit where. She pulls the gun on him, mm-hmm. and she has the line about like, I, "I'll do anything," or mm-hmm. you know, at this point. And I think they really bend over backwards in the script to try and make it clear that no, she's doing this because she's actually in love with him. Because mm-hmm. she pulls the gun, she can't, she can't shoot him because you know, even though she knows that he's got the papers, mm-hmm. and obviously it's a bigger thing to kind of like you know shoot someone than just uh, say that you love them. But he basically suggests that he would give her the papers. I think that's sort of there within that. But she's like. No, I can't. I, you know, I ran away from you once. I can't do it again. Mm-hmm. You've got to think for the both of us. She's totally into him. There's no doubt about that. And they really make that clear. And as I say, she is willing to leave Laszlo and Casablanca. You know. Yeah, um, that's true. I guess you know you're right. Like you're right in terms. I think you're right that the writing goes out of its way to make sure we understand that. Mm. It's just that. And I say this. I'm, I'm a huge fan of all the actors in this movie. Like I'm not saying anyone d- didn't act well. But I don't know, this time around I had questions, and this time around it didn't feel, it didn't feel like, oh, the the lovers who should have been are not together. I was like, yeah, it's a good thing you're going with Lazo. <laughs> like, I think, I think you'd be really unhappy with her. I think, you know what's too, I think also the scene where she says to him, like, I've seen what you've become. Mm. The Rick I knew before I could have told what had happened, but for you to look at me with such hate, and that, and, her, and the way that she delivers those lines, her clear, like, her wounded, her feeling of being wounded, like, I think that resonated with me. So the way that I explained that to myself, because I admit that kind of jarred with me a little bit as well, mm-hmm. but I was like, 
she doesn't really mean that. Mm-hmm. She's like, she's saying that she's still completely like she's the moment that she's seen him, she's back in love with him. It doesn't matter that he's there kind of like hunched over a bottle. He's right. sort of like, he's being mean to her and stuff like that. She's like, she's back in it. And she comes in and she's like, oh, the Rick that I knew before, you know, wouldn't have been like this. I could have trusted him, but she's still, mm. she's, she's just wanting him to. See, I had the opposite reaction though, which I think, tells us that the text is really open to interpretation mm. and maybe this is one of the scenes that they didn't have mm. the ending figured out for so we don't know whether she's playing Rick and just like you decide and hoping he makes the right choice or if she's going you know you decide I really love you you know I know that you know you're going to do you know what I want you to do here because the two questions that I had to start with is is this, is this a great movie and is this a great romance what do, you, do you think it's a great movie I don't think it's a great movie. I think it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's one of the top of all times. I think that there's a real lack of characterization of the Ilsa character mm-hmm. that gives us very little context clues as to what she's actually feeling in any given moment. Mm-hmm. And so she ends up more like a pawn mm-hmm. that, uh, that we don't know where her actions are coming from. And uh, again, this seems to me like a production problem, you know, and I I think it works out well. I think that it's a very emotionally satisfying movie, and I think it was particularly so at the moment that it came out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I don't think that uh, we have enough characterization of Ilsa as a person, because what do we know about her except that she's like super horny for Rick? I'm not sure this is so much a romance as a story about getting over your ex. (laughs) (laughs) Where Rick's like, you know what? It's okay. Like, you move on with your life. You know, it's a moment that, like, everybody has where it's just like, you know what? You're going to have your life and I'm going to have mine. And that's fine. Well, the thing is, is that Rick doesn't really want Elsa. He just wants Elsa to want him. Like, you know, so he's sort of like, the moment that she's basically said, hey, I didn't leave you in Paris because I didn't love you. I still love you. And that's the moment that he, you know, and, and there's the whole kind of like, the camera fades out, they definitely have sex. Yeah. Then it fades back in, <laughs> they're both perfectly dressed, which I like. Yeah. I mean, I imagine they've showered. They've, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> they might have had a light snack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know. And, and, oh, and yeah. Back, She's done her hair. Yeah. <clears throat> and after that period, he's like, okay, now I can... Um, yeah. Now I can put her on the plane. Like, and, and you know what? And even when he says to her, like, we did lose Paris for a while, but we brought it back. Mm. Like, yeah, it kind of, yeah, it, it feels like actually, like, what he really wants is just to make sure that Paris was real. Mm. And her being there or being not there is less. And, and yeah, and we're also, of course, supposed to understand that he's a noble person. Like, an adjoining question, I guess, like, do you, do you think that Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman have good chemistry? I don't think that... Bogart has really good chemistry with anybody. I think he has a stone wall against which people with charisma can play. Mm-hmm. So, like, he's great with Bacall, for example. Right. In To Have and To Have Not, which yeah. I would love to discuss at some point. But uh, the thing with Bergman is she's also a very reactive mm-hmm. uh, actress. And so you don't get a lot. Like, you get a lot of reactions from her. But you're going, from what? Mm-hmm. You know? There's, like, what do we have in Paris? We have eight clips, a lot of which are just providing information. You get, you know, in those clips, I think twice you get the line, here's looking at you, kid, mm-hmm. which, what does that even mean? That's like, a really good point. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great point. <laughs> like, 
So you get the catchphrase, but then, it, like, and then, you know, you get them on a green screen in front of the Arc de Triomphe. Uh-huh. You get them, like, driving. Hearing, yeah, driving. Mm. You get them hearing that the Nazis have invaded Paris. You get him being like, I'm going to meet you at the train station. And her obviously being like, yeah, okay, that's fine. And, and like, <laughs> him asking her to marry him. Yeah. I've forgotten about that, that there's, like, a hasty proposal. Like, what if the engineer marries us? I mean, that's kind of cool. It's kind of no, no, sweet. That's but, I just, but I just forgot. I forgot all of that. Okay. But you can very much see that it's Coach just being like, I need to get, like, a full romance into right. three minutes of tape. Yeah. I would yeah. argue that you don't, it doesn't really matter. Like, I mean, because, in fact, the reality is between, you know, in, in a lot of, like, love stories between actual people the the kind of the the meanings and kind of the whys and wherefores don't really matter i mean two people love one another and sometimes like film gives us enough kind of shorthand to just put sort of two charismatic attractive people next to one another and be like yeah they're in love and believe it and i think that a lot of kind of modern film misses that and they kind of they feel the need to like give developed backstories and sort of like characterization and stuff like that but actually so many people are willing to just buy into Mm -hmm. just these two people love one another that's enough i think that's enough when you have actual tension between the leads like say spencer tracy and katherine hepburn where you're just like yeah i would watch these two people just talk about doing the dishes all day i do think that's true for Bogart and Claude Rains, who plays um, Captain mm. Rainer. That's literally what I was thinking. They have great chemistry. Yeah, and that's actually, you know, the final line of the movie was uh, put in in post-production mm-hmm. because they watched the movie and they were like, this isn't complete. There's a homoerotic tension between mm-hmm. Rains and Bogart throughout the film. At one point, you know, Louis says, you know, he's talking uh, to a woman about Rick. He says, if I were a woman, mm-hmm. I should be in love with Rick. Right. Yeah. Rick yeah. is the only person, only, yeah, only actor who makes Rick's character laugh ever. Like, there's a yes. real ease mm. with there's the way a, they um, talk to each other. It's interesting you say this. There's a film critic. I think his name is David Thomas. He's <laughs> a very big film critic, and he, he's written, like, some really kind of like big books about cinema and one of the things that he kind of gets into is if there were ever a sequel of Casablanca I think it's that and um, he says that those two characters would just go off and have a a sort of like a homosexual relationship (laughs) what's what actually happens next do Laszlo and Ilsa stay together Um, I mean presuming that Rick doesn't die in the war, or none mm-hmm. of them die in yeah. the war. What happens after the war, basically, and they're all still alive? Well, this transitions into a question that I okay. had, which was, or, or a connection that I had, which was the Harry Met Sally um, the argument. Have you guys uh, have you guys seen this recently? Do you yes. remember? Mm-hmm. And uh, at the beginning, when Sally's very young, when they're both very young, she says. You know, of course she stays with Laszlo. Why wouldn't you want to stay with Laszlo and become the first lady of Czechoslovakia? (laughs) (laughs) In their 20s, you know, Harry responds and he's like, so you wouldn't stay with a man that you had the best sex of your life with Uh in order to, you know, and she's like, no, I would be the first lady of Czechoslovakia. (laughs) You know, and then later in her 30s, she's like, no, I never said that. Who would give up Rick? You know? So it's like she's becoming more romantic as the story goes on. And, uh, you know, I do think that uh, in the story that we're given, beyond anything that uh, we can project from there, I think that Elsa and and Lazo 
are, I'm not sure they're in the States, but I think they're somewhere where, you know, maybe it's England, or maybe it's Switzerland, I doubt it's Switzerland. It's somewhere that where they can be safe and where he can lead the Czech resistance from, you know, from a relatively neutral country. Or, you know, even better, an allied country. And I think, yeah, uh, Rick and Renault go on and uh, become freedom fighters. But I would say, sorry, this is a total sidebar, but I would like you to guess. How old do you think Rick is in the film? Uh, he's the, his he's, character's he's age? He's 37. Yeah. He's 37! Yeah. That's rough. That that feels like a personal punch. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Where it's just like, okay, Humphrey Bogart, like, I, 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 you must have led a rough life. There was some drinking and some smoking and some... Running guns. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. you, you didn't know about sunscreen, yeah. but... Uh, even then. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't put on your, you know, SPF 50 before yeah. running the guns. Yeah, I think, you know, I think that probably what he, what Rick says to her at the end when, when he's like, you know, if you were to stay, you might not regret it now, but you would regret it later. I think he's probably right. I think... Soon and for the rest of your life. Exactly. And I think probably wherever they end up, she and Laszlo, like, I think they stay together... It's a successful marriage. They're able to continue the the fight. I don't think it's a... I think it's a loving marriage, but not like a passionate love marriage. It's a Bill Hillary marriage. Yes. Where you're just like, this benefits both people. Yeah. Like they Did both you say believe, Bill and Hillary, man? Bill and Hillary. Bill they, and both Hillary. Will, they both believe in <laughs> the, the cause. I, I mean, I definitely... Bill and Hillary. I think we said exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Rachel, continue. God, okay. I definitely believe that one cause is more important than the other. <laughs> I'm not saying that. <laughs> Who's Hillary's Rick? Like, <laughs> I don't. Uh, uh, we'll never if know. If only we knew. <laughs> we'll never know. Um, do you think though that they both end up as freedom fighters? I can see Rick being a freedom fighter, but Renault is. Um, I'm like, is he a freedom fighter? Because I think that probably when they get to Brazzaville, he just finds another sideline that's really profitable and is like less directly Nazi. But I don't see him. I see Rick kind of going back into, like, you know, that's obviously, like, more of who he is, like, the freedom fighter, resistance, but, like, yeah. I feel Reno's, like, his BFF, who he comes home to, and he's like, oh, back in the trenches, what were you doing? Oh, you know, selling my porn magazines. Doing really well, actually. Well, I think it's really important to point out that Reno is not a Nazi, per se. That right. he's the representative mm -hmm. of the Vichy government. And I think for Americans at the time, like, it's, it's so much is happening so fast internationally. And so you're going, okay, so, like, you know, what does it mean for somebody to be a representative of the Vichy government? You know, to try to explain it geopolitically today, you know, is so complicated. It takes, like, six steps to go, you know, well, okay, Casablanca is still a French colony at this point, and, mm -hmm. you know, the French are divided into two, but Vichy has, you know, control over, whereas these things are assumed that the audience at the time knows them, but it's also, you can see that Warner Brothers was just like, whatever the fuck this movie is, because they don't bother to explain it for posterity, yeah, you I know? I thought that a really interesting thing, it, it allows, so... One of the things I really loved about the movie is just, I think, what a great story it is. Like, regardless of kind of characterization or anything like that, like, you know, you have this thing at the beginning, the kind of the tickets out of there, and then you have the conflict as to who, you know, should he give the tickets or not? Mm -hmm. And the audience are invited into, should he follow the path of love or should he follow the path of, like... Righteousness. You know, righteousness. Like, and it's it, it's sort of perfectly set up for these things. It doesn't feel contrived, effectively. Mm. 
the only thing that I thought could have felt contrived, sort of in regard to this, is that idea that, like, Laszlo's just this freedom fighter who's wanted by the Nazis and he's just wandering around in plain sight yeah. in Vichy France. But remember that Vichy France is supposedly independent. Well, that's what I mean. So it, it is supposedly independent. So it's actually, com it, it's sort of believable that he could be doing this. And then there's that kind of like weird, well, they're sort of enemies, but also allies at the same time. And so you allow for all of the interactions which happen to just take place in plain sight, which is a real consequence of the time in which it's set, which I thought was really interesting and useful. Right. Yeah, it's story. actually amazing how much uh, historical, geopolitical knowledge you need to understand this film. Yeah, because like... The way when, that it functions. The way when, when he, when Laszlo and the the German dude who works at Rick's, when they're running away from the meeting. Carl. Mm. Carl, yes. Um, so it is, it, like, is the idea basically that even though, again, it's um, under Vichy rule, but people can, you know, like someone like Laszlo can go and be safe in theory, you're still not allowed to have, like, secret meetings, basically. You're not... Yes. That's, yeah. what, that's the... Yeah, that, yeah so... And it has to be a secret meeting. Like, you can't just, like... there. It's still not a place where it's like, oh, yeah, all political views are welcome. No, no, no. Got you, okay. But that's the theory that of, like, Rick's Cafe. Right. Is it, like, he, like in theory, it's this, like, oh, all political views are welcome, just give me your money. And just don't talk about them, Yeah, right? exactly. We're not going to make this the site of, like, you... Um, like, God, that, little, that woman who um, is with the German... First she's with, you know, we... She's with Rick, and then she's with the German guy, and then the, the French officer's like, oh, they bush... Oh blah 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 blah. Oh Yvonne, and she's a she's a dead ringer for Ingrid Bergman. It's really interesting. That's yeah. true. And he yeah. treats her like a child. You yeah. know, she is. She's like, hi Rick, are we having a date? And he's like uh, tonight, and he's like, I put her in that far ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like take her, take her home. And just but you said yesterday, <laughs> I never think that far back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, where do you live? <laughs> what time? Yeah, period? I was like, what is the actual like characterization difference between her and Ingrid Bergman? It's nothing. Right. It's just the fact that she's not Ingrid Bergman. Exactly. Which is actually kind of how life works. Yeah. Wait. When, <laughs> when like you're having a rebound, you're just like, I don't know, you're not the person that right. I want. I thought you could yeah. say the way life works is that we're not Ingrid Bergman. Like every day we also live, that. every day we live and also go, that. I'm not Ingrid Bergman now, and I never will be. Also that I think also okay. So one huge thing of this movie that really I, I find so impressive is that we're supposed to root for like the jaded, washed up, thirty mm -hmm. seven year old looking fucking six years old <laughs> going on ninety nine, yeah, going on ninety nine, <laughs> man versus the. Hero resistance fighter mm -hmm. who escaped mm -hmm. a concentration camp mm -hmm. and like leads everybody in the Marseille as it makes us all cry. Right. And we're like, no, definitely the guy in the white tuxedo. Right. He's, he's, he's the one. He's an impediment to the love story. <laughs> right. And you can actually, I thought, like this time around, also is thinking that it's it's striking the difference between when um, when Laszlo tells, tells her when she's, you know, they turn off the lights and he's about to go to the meeting. And he's like, and she goes like, you know, I might have to, I might have to go tonight, but if I tell you, you know, if I tell you this, will you believe me? He's like, I'll believe anything you say. I believe you. Yeah. And okay. then when I have a lot of thoughts about the scene, but okay, yeah. okay, okay, I want to. But then, wait, the, yeah. and then the scene after when she goes to Rick, and he's like, well, how can I believe you? You would say anything now, and I thought that was really interesting, right? Like one man telling her, I'll believe, I believe you, and I'm being like, fuck you, I don't believe shit, you know? Like, and again, she's like, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> that's so. But that so ties into like actual like other plot 
movements where it's like Lazo's like just take her to freedom it's fine mm -hmm. you know and Rick's like you come with me to America and we'll leave right. Lazo here and it's like who really loves her the one who's like anything that that happens to me it's fine as long as you're safe and the other one who's just yeah, like but Rick's a fucking human being and like you know none of us can <laughs> Like, that's the difference, is like... And is a god, and wouldn't you rather be with a god? <laughs> I mean, yeah, but not really. I think everybody <laughs> wants to be with the, human, the, the guy who's passionate, and not the guy who's like, you know, w whatever you do, I'll believe you. Because, yeah, what were we going to say about that scene? I mean, what I found fascinating about that scene, because I, you know, I, w I watched the film today, and I, there was most of it I remembered, and I mm. didn't really remember what happened in that scene. And I was like, just... Before it was happened, I was like, how are they going to write this? Like, mm -hmm. how's she going to sort of tell him that she's got to go to Rick? And how's he going to react in a, a way which doesn't sort of like completely spin the plot off in another direction yeah, and create like, drama in a different way? Don't tell me whatever you do. Yeah, yeah. whatever happens. And so, yeah, and the, the, yeah, the, the writer's response to it is... He, he's not going to respond in any way. He's just going to let her do it. And so I think it's one of these examples of character almost like following plot rather than kind of character driving plot. Mm, like mm -hmm. they've, they've made him do that because that would have been, if you wrote that in any other way in which he was belligerent about right. what she was going to do. Or raised any sort of objection yeah, or doubts. Yeah. yeah. Then it would completely throw the plot off course, which does not say that it's not consistent with yeah, the yeah. character that it's, Built, mm -hmm. but. but I think this is actually like at the core of the Harry Met Sally dilemma, mm. which is like there's Rick who's who feels like an actual person, and then there's Laszlo who has absolutely no faults. Yeah, I and think she has better sex with Laszlo, by the way. I think that uh, <laughs> really, <laughs> yeah. Why tell, do you think that? Tell us I mean, what it's like. Also, <laughs> <laughs> she comes every time. I think it's mainly because I can't really imagine Humphrey Bogart having sex. I can't imagine. I can imagine him taking that tuxedo off, and there being another tuxedo. Off. <laughs> <laughs> um, whereas, like, I mean, that's it. And let me tell you guys this: at this point in the story, um, at the time that this movie is made, there's the production code. You guys know about the mm -hmm. Hayes production mm -hmm. code. So there are a lot of like, you know, you, you can do this, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. So like interracial relationships are absolutely forbidden under this code. Right. Um, a married woman was not allowed to leave her husband for another man. So there was never any question in the mind of the screenwriters or of the audience that Ilza would leave <clears throat> Laszlo for Rick because she's married. Right. You know, and so she was only allowed to have the affair because she thought that her husband was dead so and be that no, she was a widow. So there'd be no dramatic tension for the audience at the time. There'd be no will they, will she, won't she, because of course she won't. She has to stay with her husband. Presumably he could have been killed somehow or something like that. Right, but, 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 it, wouldn't it. Be, but it wouldn't be by her choice. It wouldn't be her choosing one over the other. But that's why you have Rick moving all of the pieces mm -hmm. and uh, Ilsa having so little agency. Okay. Because, you know, there, there's the point that Rick is talking to Reno and he's saying, well, you know, if he's caught with the papers on him, you could put him back in a concentration camp. And just as the audience, you're going, like, thinking about seeing this for the first time, mm. you're going, oh my God, you want to put him in a concentration camp? Right, like, right. you're the villain. <laughs> like, yeah. you're the baddie. But, but in some way, it's like, well, that is one way. Like, yeah, she ends up with this horrible guy who was like, throw this 
innocent, heroic man into a concentration mm-hmm. camp. Um, yeah, but Ilsa's ready to go with that. <laughs> I, I think it's important yeah. to say that she, I mean, she has admittedly, she has ceded all responsibility with the line, you have to think for the both of us. Right. But nevertheless, when he's like, yeah, we're going to put him in a concentration camp, we're going to go to America. Right. <laughs> but, but do we believe that she believes it? I mean, is that the thing, or it's like, is is there a last minute plan where she gets both visas off of Rick? Here's the thing: if 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 she doesn't believe it, because it's like I still think that the way that Ingrid Bergman plays those last scenes, it it really leaves a lot of room for interpretation. But it's true that she does go; she at least verbally goes along with the plan of mm. right. So we'll go to America together. But it's weird because even though I've just seen this movie, it didn't that didn't strike me. Like I don't have to explain. Like all of that was said, I understood. And yet I was still stuck with, I don't know if she loves him. She's not so enthusiastic about the plan because she's not supposed to, right? She says, like, you'll think for the two of us. And maybe that's why I was able to kind of let it go. In the same, you know, it's funny. It kind of feels of a piece to me uh, with the character of Reno, who I find to be so charismatic, even though mm. there are so many things. But the thing that I, I keep reminding myself of, which is reprehensible, is that he, his, like, side, like, his side hustle is that these married couples will come and ask for visas. He'll tell them you have to raise a certain amount of money. And it seems like the puzzle is, and then he gets to fuck the woman. Yeah, we're going to circle back. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. And it's really, I mean, like, awful doesn't cover it. It's reprehensible. It's disgusting. Humphrey, like, when Humphrey Bogart, you know, helps him cheat at the roulette table so he gets money and they go. The way that the he's, Bulgarian like... The Bulgarian couple. The Bulgarian yeah. couple, thank you. Um, and Reno's like, all right, this time around, blah, blah, blah. It's like, all right, good, good, good sport. You know, like good show. <laughs> yeah. And 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 that is also part of his character, but because so much of his character is being smooth and s- swaggering and just having like these like you know clever repartees with Bogart, it's weird. It's all but this. But that's is... also Bogart's character. You know, that's I stick my my neck out for nobody. No, it's true. But I guess I am struck in this movie by how the way people act does a lot for how I feel affected by their characters, despite plot devices and plot mm. movements that should. S- that really should swing a different way. But the yeah. way that these characters come across to me is so much of a, they just, they feel different in a way, I guess, right? Like they come to you and then you're like, that's who they are. And in a way, even if the plot is there and it's very clearly set up, it, it not that it doesn't matter, but I'm, I'm somehow re- relating to the characters in a way that I'm, the rest of the story isn't there. I'm in a story with them. And I'm just like, wow, she's so beautiful. Oh, I really feel for him. Oh, the pain. Oh, the cleverness. And and somehow the ra- wide range of emotions that are attached to them because of their actions, because of what happens around them, seems to stick less to them. But that's fascinating because where does that come from? Because we've already established, like, it's not the, the um, chemistry between the characters. Right. I think, to some extent, I think it's the, like, catchphrases of these characters. I stick my neck out for nobody, mm-hmm. you know, we'll always have Paris. Mm-hmm. You know, these, All the gin joints. Yeah, like uh, these really famous lines uh, just uh, get him so far, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of a character that somehow we're rooting for and right. I don't know what it is. I know, I mean, you're rooting for Rick because he's kind of cool and suave and basically mm-hmm. like a good guy underneath and you want him to be a good guy and then he turns out that he is a good guy he's the kind of he's the cowboy he's the you know whatever he's the the sentimentalist he's he's the rogue and the sentimentalist and all that kind of stuff like i mean there's a lot of reasons why you want to root for rick and Mm -hmm. because yeah and because laszlo is just this like I, i mean in my mind there's a degree of like male fantasy i think in casablanca in which is like most there are a lot more men who are a bit like Rick, very, very few who are uh, like 
saints like Laszlo. And he's not mm-hmm. just a saint, he's brave and brilliant. But when you're watching it, you, you root for the person who you feel like you've got at least a little bit more of a hope of being. Mm. Um, and, you know, and if they come up with kind of like pithy one-liners and uh, get the girl, but, you know, turn them... Like, so much the better. Like, I, I think it's just... It's playing into people's fantasies and then... But then also people do prefer characters like that. But it's playing into men's like fantasies of uh, who would you be rather than women's fantasies of who would you be with. Mm. Mm. You know, because it's like, would you rather be with, like, the kind of fucked up guy who owns a bar and doesn't care if they're, like... Nazis trotting through day and night, or like the guy who I really feel like Sally, <laughs> Sally you know, mm-hmm. or the guy who's like a freedom fighter for Czechoslovakia. And it's like, no matter if this is a lost cause and I'm in a concentration camp right. and I escape and I go back and whatever. Yeah, like, but you know, but the thing is, is that he doesn't really he cares about Ilsa in the kind of the same way that he cares about everything else, like. He cares about her because, you know, you should care about her and because he's he's just using her as one of his many... I think it's even said in the film, she's just one of his many causes. Whereas for Rick, like, Ilsa is the cause when she's the cause, you know? Like, it's sort of like, she's she's everything to him in that moment. Yeah, that's true. I mean, like, I will say, I think, I think what they say in the movie is that for Laszlo to even to be able to fulfill his real cause, he needs her. Yeah. Like it, it's a, it's, it's not just that she's one of his causes. It's like she's mm. key to it. But I agree. Like, even the fact in real life this would be horrible. But the fact that he seems to completely and utterly fall apart because of her leaving mm. without saying goodbye. Like, it, it's, it, it really, it's clear at least to me that yeah, he's a ravaged shell of a man that yeah. he's never been well since then. And like again, in real life, that's. That would be awful to deal with that, right? Like, that's not a person that you want to really be around. But yeah, in a movie, my God, how romantic, right? Like, because of me, because of me not getting to the train on time, your life is over. Like, he still manages to sort of, like, there's not a huge amount of time between when the movie that's, is set. That was one of my questions. <laughs> how long ago was Paris? Yeah. Like, the German occupation of France is, what, 1940? And this is 1941? Was the bar already set up and the original owner died? And then, I mean, maybe. And Rick got in really quick. I mean, that's really the only way, right? Like, and I was like, no, it's the American cafe. <laughs> because it's huge. It's well-stocked. It's everyone goes there. Yeah, it's basically the... It wouldn't cool, be like, un-American. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, cheap real estate? Thank you so much, yes. I mean, it's top five fictional bars ever, if not number one of the fictional bars. If if I I could go to any... I mean, I don't know, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but I agree. And And he's done that in a year? There's roulette, there's dancing, there's music, there's that Spanish singer. I wouldn't want to leave, personally. (laughs) I would be be like, just keep me in Casablanca. Champagne cocktails right, left and center. (laughs) You know, like, yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's amazing. And again, it's that utopia of as long as you don't talk about politics, everyone can get along, Mm. right? And that's a very American thing. That's exactly it, right? Like, Humphrey Bogart and uh, Reno's characters are interesting to me, too, because to me, it really exemplifies this, I would say, like, really, like, an American ideal of just be a good guy, right? Like, no matter what your politics are, you know, Mm. no matter what your actions are, you're just kind of a good guy, right? I'd like like to have a beer with you. Yeah, you've got the win. So long as you you (laughs) ran guns to Ethiopia at some point in the past. Sure, you know, but right now, right here, right now. Again, that's added in later because they were like, 
we need we need you to like him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but you know, like they're just and they're both and they're both kind of above it all, right? Like they're mm. above the emotions of the others. They're above the like yeah. the patriotic quibbles and whatever. They, they have this neutrality that they think is a virtue. Yes. And the movie proves that it's not. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the power of the movie. Yeah, that's you know, true. Is it, you have to make a choice to be a hero. Yeah, this this idea that like uh, choosing nothing is still choosing something, mm-hmm. and it's not choosing the right thing. Right, like that guy who um when uh when Peter Laurie is taken away and he's like help me Rick help me Rick does nothing, and the the other character comes he's like what is my time to go I hope you're a little bit more help or whatever it's like oh I stick my neck out for nobody blah yeah. blah 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 <laughs> but yeah but like it, it's really it's interesting the way that Rick is in relation to other people because at some I it might be the other bar uh, the blue parrot owner. That's what it's called, right? Or, or yeah, it might yeah. be the um, rainbow. But someone's like, you know, you have to, you do have to scratch the backs of others to get anywhere. But he does, right? Like he lets Nazis come, even though clearly he's against the Nazis, even though he pretends not to be. I don't know. Like he is more so, I think, than Raynaud. Bogart is making choices, but they're small, and it's almost like he doesn't want anyone to know. Like deep down inside, I have ideals and values. Ugh! Don't talk about it. <laughs> don't tell anybody. No one's gonna come drink here. That's true. Like I, I think the movie is very careful to present him as like he's neutral. He's he's nothing. He's Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Lazo comes in and like the free Frenchman shows him his ring. You know, and it's yeah. like yeah. So there are free French in his bar. You know, and there are Nazis in his bar, and there are you know the Bulgarian refugees mm-hmm. in his bar. This is already leading us somewhere. Mm-hmm. And like although I agree very much <laughs> with it where it's leading yeah. us. It's a foregone conclusion, yeah. you know. Ick factors. The uh, Captain Reno's women, yeah, we already talked about this mm-hmm. a bit. But the idea that it's presented as a joke, as it's like, oh, he fucks this women, like these women, so yeah. they can get to the States. Like, it's pretty shocking, actually. And especially because the way that she, when she talks to Rick about it, and she's like, you know, it, it's fine, right? Like, if I, he never finds out, and I do it because I really, really love him. And then when she says something like, you know, in many ways, I'm I'm more of a grown up than he. Like he's a, still a child. He's like I don't almost like I don't want him to be corrupted. Like I'd rather bear yeah. the brunt of this. And she's like, but if he ever finds out, she's so she's in such terror over it. Right? Yeah. Such moral terror. But it, it suggests that they're taking it at least a little bit seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, because he is. You know, Renault has presented as this sort of like happy-go-lucky figure, but that speech is pretty affecting. It's all done so euphemistically mm-hmm. that I mean, you know, maybe I could have even missed it when you know I first watched it when I was like a lot younger, and and you realise what she's actually saying, and it's pretty like horrific. And instead, when you know, if you don't realise it, then you laugh mm-hmm. at the whole. There's a bit where it's like she doesn't have money for her visa or something like that and he's like show her in i can't remember the exact lines yeah yeah, yeah where, where it's very clear that she has no means of getting the visa and mm-hmm. Reno is just like yeah bring her bring her in and this is a good thing because yeah, yeah, i will be right, able yeah. to fuck her which is worth money but just the implication that that's part of his life right like he's he's a happy-go-lucky guy who does think that's nightmarish you think it's also a bit of a dig at the french I definitely, yeah, I think so, definitely. Do we want Rick and Ilza to end up together? Um, no, actually, like, on this watch, no, I did not want them to end up together. I thought she'd be really unhappy with him. Yeah, and I think eventually he'd be unhappy with her, too. Like, he's in love with the dream. He's not yeah, to... I think he'd start to feel judged by her. Okay, um, so, I mean, I want to bring it back to the, uh, even the name of this podcast will always have Paris. And so the phrase will always have Paris in that seems to be like 
because there are different moments of a love affair, obviously, mm-hmm. or being in love with anybody. And this time that they spend in Paris is that kind of like crazy honeymoon period that they just have together. And then it gets uh, prematurely ruptured because of, you know, fucking Laszlo Nazis. and Nazis and stuff like that. <laughs> so it's not Laszlo's fault. <laughs> no, it is a bit Laszlo's fault. Like, for. He escapes being too concentration good. Camp. <laughs> yeah, too come good. on. <laughs> um, and so what they're left with is this kind of like cocoon moment of that the, they're left only with the love story you know whatever that may be of mm. their their relationship and that's when they say kind of we'll always have paris it means we'll always have that kind of like true kind of like unblemished you know love which is like you know not changed by reality or anything um yeah and yeah it's not corrupted yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 corrupted, obviously, by everything that comes after, but it's not corrupted by the sort of like you know, Rick. I don't know, not turning out the backlight, which he obviously did do on that occasion, but um, but yeah, you know, it, it's not corrupted by sort of like the the minutia of domesticity or like you know the reality of Laszlo having to fight for a cause or anything Mm. like that they've just got this all they've got is the love story right but it's interesting because like in a lot of ways I feel like this is a very adult love story Mm -hmm. like not Mm. not in terms of like you know we see anything explicit but in terms of you know this is something that's very much just about the emotions of the two of them beyond like whatever illusions they have of mm-hmm. each other and it's about this moment that they spend as you know just absolutely themselves without her talking about her past and i'm not sure i believe that in terms of what life is actually like right but i think the screenplay very much presents it as this pure moment that uh, you know can't be touched by anything outside of itself mm-hmm. But also can't continue outside of itself. Right. right. Um, mm. It's not meant. Yeah. It, to both of your points, right? It's not meant to be touched by, like everyday concerns or chores or anything like that. It is supposed to be romance, capital R, writ large. Nothing else sullying it. Yeah, they're never going to be arguing about like you know the, where were you the other night? You know, you spent too much on hats this month or like whatever. Yeah. People I mean, spend she money definitely on would have been spending too much on hats. <laughs> I mean, that, yeah. <laughs> she had. I mean. I have a lot, yeah, Ingrid Bergman's wardrobe in this movie is very interesting to me because, in like, every time she would come on screen in a new outfit, my first reaction would be, wow. And then two seconds later, I would look at what she was, <laughs> really look at what she's wearing and go, huh. And then a few other seconds go by, I'd be like, wait, what is this? Like, <laughs> Ingrid Bergman's Bergmanness really, like, the first time she comes out in that, like, white hat and the, like, striped shirt, I was like, damn. And then a few minutes later, I was like, are you wearing a pin? What? <laughs> Ingrid, and then she turns, and we see like the little bump on her hat. And I was like, I can't co-sign this outfit. You are doing a lot for it, but girl, what happened? <laughs> How much did that cost the Czechoslovakian people? <laughs> <laughs> or it's like strange blazers with mumsy-looking skirts. I just said, but then every, but every time she walked out screen, I'd be like, wowza. And then I have to completely change my opinion when I get, would get over the fact of her being beautiful and then be like, 
You know, I don't know. <laughs> I know she's obviously she's only got the kind of like the Moroccan street uh, hawkers to kind of like buy stuff off, and then I suppose kind of like you know, which she's obviously getting very good deals with because she's a very good friend of Rick's. <laughs> Can I, get, can, I, can I get just a little bit of lace to cover my breasts? <laughs> She's probably taking it to kind of like backstreet sewing her people who are kind of like whipping up these costumes. I'm just saying it's like... Oh Some of these things she's actually wearing the wrong way around. Like that's it. That's not the... Also, that's not the front. Oh, so embarrassing. I mean, she's one of 100 uh, American contacts in... 350,000 yeah, yeah, Moroccan yeah. citizens that we never see. <laughs> yeah, yep. um, but they're there, bustling around. But they're there somewhere, um, selling her lace. It's time for Mary Fuck Kill for Casablanca. Chris, will you present our candidates to us? Yes, I think because... Uh, there was a lot of talk about Ilsa not being a particularly well-rounded character. I want to uh, suggest the marry fuck kill between the three main guys in the film. So I want to know if you would marry fuck kill between uh, Rick, Laszlo, and Renault. Mm -hmm. I'll, maybe I'll, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll, I'll think. I'm gonna think a lot a little bit. I was thinking that with Laszlo. I'd feel bad to kill him because he's doing such great work. But I think to be married to him would be a, like, I'd wake up every day and look at him and go like, I've done shit. And that would make me feel bad. <laughs> but then I would also maybe have to help him a lot. And I feel like his work is, you know, as much as I think it's so noble, you know me, like I'm not really meant to do noble work because I'm not really meant to do work. I'm really someone who likes the finer <laughs> things in life. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like the life that I'd have to lead with him would be like, good and noble and we never have nice things because we'd be helping people all the time and that's great for some people but that's just not me right <laughs> so that's was a tough one for me and then i'm thinking right now like i'd have a great we'd banter a lot be really fun except that i'd have to like to marry him would be to marry someone who's you know willing to like cozy up to the nazis you know yeah, has you a, feel bad in the end i feel shit right and then, maybe not today and maybe not tomorrow Life. <laughs> and then we've got Rick, who's just this walking ball of psychoses. <laughs> and like, yeah, I think I'd like to fuck him, but I mean, I think I know I would, but it just seems like of the three options, maybe I should marry him. <laughs> but then I'm thinking, I don't know, man. I mean, like, do I want to be a barmaid? Like, <laughs> I just, again, I don't think it's in my character to be the wife of someone like Rick, right? Like, to kind of have to be like, oh, hey, oh, my God, the regular table, blah, blah, blah. Like, I just, I think It's I, a Harry Miss Would you want to be married to a bartender for yeah, the rest exactly, of your life? Exactly. <laughs> so, you, so you see, it's just a... Oh, that's fine. It's, well, you know... Um, you need to watch that movie again, but yes. <laughs> I mean, I'd rather be married to a bartender than a missionary. Um, <laughs> which is one to let everybody know. That's just how I feel. Um... <laughs> So yeah, you see, there's no missionary in the movie. That was just you. Laszlo <laughs> might be. Laszlo's kind of a missionary for freedom. You know, like I just feel like if I, if I was still in my pajamas at eleven, he he would never say anything directly, and he'd love me. <laughs> he'd be but, like, but, he, but he'd be like, there would be judgment. You, there. He'd be like, darling, are you sick? No. Hmm. Oh. Okay. Well, you uh, can just spend as long in bed as you want. <laughs> and, and you <laughs> should. Fine. And you should. It's always it's always important to us. 
don't you want to rest? Oh, no, darling, I couldn't rest. I have to go save 16 <laughs> refugees before breakfast. I'd have to say, marry Rick, mm. fuck Laszlo, kill Raynaud. Oof, but this was, that was tough. Oh. I don't feel, I, I feel ill. <laughs> I think, okay, I'm marrying Laszlo. Okay. Because in my heart, I have always felt a kinship with Grace Kelly. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I'm a fairy. I will give up my acting career to be Princess of mm -hmm. Monaco. Uh, similarly, I will give up my love of Rick to become the First Lady of Czechoslovakia. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh. This feels very much like me. I can bob my hair. Yes, you can. I can. I can put on the jewels. Uh -huh. I can do all the things. It would suit you so well. <laughs> it will. I, I, I will do it. And uh, I don't know if I fuck Rick because it is true that underneath his... Tuxedo he is wearing another tuxedo, whereas no one said that was bad though. No. But with <laughs> with Renault, I feel like it is very unconcerned with the woman's pleasure. Mm -hmm. So I'm not necessarily, you know, very excited about that. But with Laszlo, it's like he's been through so much. You know, he's tired. Yeah. You know, he came from a concentration camp somehow to Casablanca. Yeah. That's a long fucking journey. Yeah. He's tired. I think he would really go that extra mile. I think Laszlo would be a very generous I father. think so. Even <laughs> I would really rather Renault than, like, I have that memory for a while. Right. Like, I can do what I want with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> something really important, which is that... We never get to see him without that belt on. <laughs> and, and I just feel like that is so constricting. Like, every time I saw him, I was like, poor man is, like, in a corset. I think that when that belt is off, Ray no, Ray yes. You know, like, <laughs> you've never seen the French police get in so hard. You know what I mean? What, what are you going to do? Are you going to fuck Ray no and kill Rick? Um... My husband? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think Rick would be a good fuck. Like, I really just don't. I, I feel like I think he'd be a good cuddle, though. You think? I think in a no, way. No, because he's so stiff. I think he'd be like cuddling an ironing board. That's mm. it. It's also this thing with Rick. It's about kind of like breaking down the the sort of all of the the kind of like the shield of what makes Rick kind of mm. like who he is and so when you break through that and you see a little bit of that in the kind of like the car riding scene where maybe he <laughs> sort of like he he doesn't look seventy four he looks kind of uh, yeah he looks like maybe fifty nine kind of like, you know, yeah, looks... so like you know mid fifties honestly yeah, like... yeah. If, if a day <laughs> <laughs> no the problem with Rick is like yeah he'd be really stiff and you like you'd have to break him down and it would be a lot of work mm -hmm. and i feel like after like six hours of conversation you could get him to put like a like a soft arm around you yeah like this is this is what he would allow um, so renault i mean despite being the kind of horrible oh, wait, no, sexual I didn't predator mean, I didn't mean renault. Wait, i've already married laszlo oh god i've really forgotten <laughs> this, is, this is like 30 minutes of me being like which one is which Okay. This is gold. I think this is I've married Laszlo. <laughs> Fuck Renault for the memories. Mm -hmm. And Rick would do nothing for me because I feel like Rick is very mechanical and like very like bumpy. 
I think Rick's pretty sensual when it comes down to it. Be Where do you thing. get that from? That's your imagination, Chris. Yeah, I mean, you just, want that. You want maybe, that to maybe be Maybe I want him to be. I think all these, uh, you know, taking into account your answers slightly. No, um, you can't take into account our answers. It, have to, it has to be your love. In which case, I am going to marry <laughs> Renault because I think we can have a lot of fun together. Yeah, you would. <laughs> you would You're yeah. just pure chaos and it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I'm marrying Renault. Um, I would uh, fuck Laszlo because I think out of the three of them, I think he's actually the uh, the the best lover, the best fuck. Uh, I would marry Renault, fuck Laszlo, and kill Rick. Wow. So why would you kill Rick though? Like, why? explain that. Just a process of elimination. I don't want to marry or fuck him, so uh, he's wow. the one who I have to kill. I oh, that almost frightened me, Chris. It was very. Like, because there's no other option for him. You know, like, it felt, it felt like... That's literally the game. I know, but we never was like that. You don't <laughs> say that. Like that you just the... know that. Actually, what am I talking about? Guys. I'd marry Rick. I'd absolutely marry Rick because yeah, I want to... Yeah! I want to run the bar with Rick. I yeah, wanna, uh, of course like, you I, do. I want Rick's bar. I want his... Oh, yeah, like, and you know what? You'd have a great time. Well, I, do, I do feel like Chris would be a better Rick. A you know, it's like he's Rick without the emotional complications. <laughs> I've got the emotional complications. I mean, he's going through some shit. Yeah, like. the way you said that, Chris, like, a better Rick, it was like, how? How could that be possible? <laughs> Does such a thing exist? No, but it's just like, I feel like Chris would rub the bar. He'd have, like, his, you know, love affairs on the side. Yeah. And he'd just be like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this, is, this is what the bar is, you yeah. know? Just take it or leave it. And, like... You know, so my girlfriend would come in and you'd be like, sorry, I don't have any papers. And she'd be like, okay, bye. Like, yeah, yeah. That's it. And then there's no movie. Okay.